Come on, let's praise him together for a moment. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You're so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 61, and we're going to read the first couple of verses there. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Psalm 61, 1 and 2, and then 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning with verse number 8, reading verses 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. I want to talk to you for a little while this evening on this subject, overwhelmed but not overcome. Overwhelmed but not overcome. You can be seated this evening. There are times in all of our lives where we feel perhaps just like David did in Psalm 61. David said, my heart is overwhelmed. Maybe we have a big test coming up and we still need to study a little while. Or maybe there's a special project on the job that's requiring more of our attention and energy than normal. Or maybe you are having to deal with a sickness that is sapping the strength from you. Or maybe you have a term paper to write for a class in school and The due date is approaching very quickly. Or maybe you have a bill that's due and you still don't know how you're going to pay for it. Or maybe it feels like it's just everything all at once that has come crashing down on top of you. Whatever it is, there are times for all of us that we feel overwhelmed and we don't know just what we're going to do to make it through the situation that we find ourselves in. The Apostle Paul was in a similar situation in our text of Scripture that we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He felt overwhelmed, but he had a different kind of perspective that allowed him to look to the Lord for His help. Paul acknowledges that we are still 
in these earthen vessels, or we are still in these fleshly tabernacles, and sometimes in our flesh we get weak. And in fact, the only time I'm really strong is when I am weak, because when I'm weak, He is strong. And so Paul says, yeah, you know, we are still in these earthen vessels. But don't forget, there's a treasure inside of these earthen vessels. And the treasure is the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the Lord Jesus Christ living on the inside of our lives. And when I'm weak, He is strong. When He brings me through a difficult time, I'll know it was by His strength. When He brings me through this overwhelming circumstance, I'll know it was the hand of the Lord that brought me through. When He brings me through this sickness, I'll know it was God that delivered the touch Right on time, when He brings me through this financial dilemma, I'll know it was only God that made a way for me. So Paul acknowledges that he is overwhelmed at times, and he acknowledges that even right now I'm in trouble, and he acknowledges that I'm right in the middle of the storm right now, but He is careful to point out to us, the church of the living God, that He is not overcome. There's trouble on every side. Yes, that's true. Everywhere I look, there's trouble. Everything I turn to doesn't have help for me. But you know what? I'm not distressed because God is on my side. When I'm in trouble, He is with me. He said, we're perplexed. Yes, that's true. I really don't understand why this is happening right now. I really don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through right now. We've been thrown into perplexity. I can't see a way out. But even though I don't understand why, I'm not in despair because I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. He said, we're persecuted. Yes, that's true. I've been enduring persecution for His name's sake. I've been going through some stuff in this life. We've been harassed. We're under attack. But don't feel bad for me because He has not forsaken me. He's still with me and I'm still in His hand. And He brings me peace in the midst of the storm. And finally, He said, we are cast down. Yes, that's true. We're hard-pressed in every way. We're enduring some stuff. We've been cast into a narrow way. We've been knocked down, but they can knock me down all they want to because I'm not knocked out. I'm not staying down. Hey, don't forget we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. It's the Spirit of God. And the enemy can knock me down all he wants to, but I'm not destroyed because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise God. 
overwhelmed, but not overcome. <coughs> you can read in the Bible, in the historical books about the different kings of the Jewish people. There came a time when the Jews were divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Jehoshaphat was one of the kings of the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat came to the throne of Judah in the aftermath of a season of conflict. But he was a righteous king. He turned his heart and the heart of the nation towards God. His reign began with a season of national repentance. Jehoshaphat led his people away from the groves and led his people away from the high places where false gods were set up and, and worshipped. And he led his people back to the law of God as the true standard for life. This set the tone for his 25-year reign. Judah, the nation of Judah, was blessed during the time when Jehoshaphat was their king. However, the reign of Jehoshaphat was not without times of crisis and trouble. Some folks mistakenly get the idea that if I serve God... Or if I'm faithful to God, I'll never have to face another crisis in my life. And I'll never have to go through another trouble in my life. But nothing could be further from the truth. The promise has never been that God would remove you from the ebb and flow of life. But the promise is that He will walk beside you through life. There is no way to be completely removed from the cares of this life, but we do have a strong tower that we can run to and be saved in the time of trouble. He never said that the seasons would have no impact on you, but He did say that He would be to you a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's no verse telling you that trial and tragedy will never happen. But He did promise that wherever you find yourself and whatever you have to face, that He will always be there with you and He will never leave you or forsake you. Second Chronicles chapter 20 records one of the greatest difficulties that King Jehoshaphat ever faced. The Bible tells us that three nations joined together at one time, forming one great army, and they launch an invasion against Judah. Even worse than that, Jehoshaphat didn't know they were coming until they were almost upon him. The watchman came racing into the king one day with the dreadful news that a massive army had formed from beyond the sea and has marched against you, and they are right now on our doorstep. The problem was that the enemy was more and mightier than any army 
than Jehoshaphat could ever raise. It wasn't an equal force against an equal force, but it was three nations against the tiny nation of two tribes, the nation of Judah. In the natural, it wasn't a fair fight. You see, Judah was just a small portion of the fragmented nation of Israel. It's composed of only two tribes. Judah couldn't even field an army that Israel could field. Judah didn't have the military might to overcome just one of these enemy nations, much less all three at the same time. In an instant, Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah was overwhelmed. There was no one to turn to for help. There was nowhere to go for refuge. There was no answer in sight. The situation was hopeless. Judah was overpowered and outmatched on every front. But I'm preaching this evening overwhelmed, but not overcome. It never ceases to amaze me how quickly life can change. How fast we can descend from relative peace and security into those terrible moments when everything all at once seems to fall apart. One phone call from a loved one in the middle of the night. One routine visit to the doctor's office. One moment of carelessness at school. One misstep at work. One moment of weakness. One wrong turn in our life. And all of the sudden, crisis looms in our lives. We're like Jehoshaphat was in that moment. When he realized the enemy is at the gate and we are totally and completely unprepared. Sometimes life simply overwhelms us. Sometimes the trouble simply overpowers us. Sometimes the crisis looms larger than we ever thought was possible. Sometimes the situation fills the horizon and dominates everything in our lives. In those moments, it seems as if our whole life is consumed by trouble. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news today, but you need to know that no matter who you are, there are going to be some storms that come into your life. No matter who you are, there is going to be some trouble that hits your life. Storms will come and storms will go on their own schedule. They aren't convenient. They don't 
knock on the door and say, Hey, would it be okay if a storm came into your life today? Hey, would it be alright if I troubled you with a sickness for the next couple of years? They aren't convenient. They don't fit into the blueprint of our lives. They come without regard to all of our carefully laid dreams and plans. Time and circumstance happens to every man. It rains on the just and on the unjust alike. It was Peter who admonished the church not to become dismayed when fiery trials come upon you as if some strange thing has happened to you. Trouble and trial are a part of the fabric of life. From time to time, some crisis is going to arise in our lives that will cause us to feel like Jehoshaphat felt overwhelmed, hopeless, and helpless. I don't want to leave you there. I don't want to dismiss now and go home leaving you feeling like, hey, what's the use? Why in the world do we bother? I've got some good news for you tonight in the Word of the Lord. David embodied what it feels like to be overwhelmed in Psalm 61. We read it as our text this evening. David said, Hear my cry, O Lord. Attend unto my prayer. He said, From the end of the earth will I cry out to Thee. The phrase, from the end of the earth is a Hebrewism that refers not to a geographical location, but it refers to a perceived distance away from the presence of God. When David says his heart is overwhelmed. When David says he's crying out from the end of the earth, what he means is, I feel like I'm a million miles away from your presence. He feels as if something has happened and something has caused there to be a distance between me and where God is. Can I talk to you tonight and tell you that so often in our lives it is in the times of trouble when our heart is overwhelmed by chaos and crisis that serve to make us aware of the fact that we have not been as faithful as we have meant to be toward God. It is the tragedy in our lives that causes us to realize we have allowed there to be some distance between God and where I am. We never meant for that to be the case. 
we were sincere in our devotion and dedication to God. In our heart, we left Sunday morning service with every intention to serve Him all week long. In our heart, we want to walk in the blessings of Almighty God. In our heart, we want to live in the fellowship of His presence. But life has a way of lulling us into a sense of complacency in our walk with God. When everything is going well, when life is easy, when it's smooth sailing and calm seas, we tend to forget that we can't do this thing called life on our own. Every time I do it on my own, I get into trouble. Every time I go off in my own way and in my own direction, I end up in some chaos somewhere. And slowly, but surely, we begin to drift away from our devotion to God. We begin to grow lukewarm in our passion towards God. Other things in life become more important and more pressing, more immediate in our walk with God. And slowly, that relationship that we had with God, that relationship that the last time we were in crisis and we called out to Him and we reached out to Him, slowly but surely we pushed God to the back burner of our hearts. Our devotion to God seems to waver, not in times of trouble, but in times of relative peace. And it is the crisis that serves to remind us of how much we need God. It is that moment of complete and utter helplessness, the moment when our heart is overwhelmed that causes us to recognize, hey, there's some distance that has developed between me and God. We used to be closer, but that crisis brings to our attention, hey, there's a distance between me and God. And that's when we realize that we are crying out to God from the end of the earth. That's what David said. From the ends of the earth will I cry out to Thee. In Hebrew thought, the tabernacle was the center of their world. Not geographically, but spiritually. And the end of the world was the greatest possible distance that one could get away from the house of God. You hear it in David's voice tonight. From the ends of the earth will I cry out 
unto thee. He was saying, God, something has caused there to be a distance between you and me. Just yesterday, we were walking hand in hand. Just yesterday, we were walking arm in arm. Just yesterday, we shouted on a Sunday morning service. But today, on a Monday or a Tuesday, it feels like I'm calling out to you from the ends of the earth. The Bible declares that God is the master of the wind. And yet, He doesn't hold back the storms or the trials or the temptations of this life. Instead, He uses them to serve His eternal purpose. He works through the trying times, taking that which was intended for evil and turning it into good. He takes that which was intended to destroy us and instead He harnesses it for His purpose and for our good. The storm just serves to remind us how much we need God. Ultimately, it becomes a blessing instead of a curse. It's a theme that is echoed throughout the pages of Scripture. Out of terrible tragedy, there emerges tremendous triumph. Out of seemingly horrible defeat, there arises incredible victory. Out of the darkest days comes a closeness to God that had not been there before. Out of the greatest storms, it is revealed to us the sweetest peace. God takes betrayal and He turns it into blessing. God takes debilitating sickness and renders it into incredible healing. God takes a trial and He turns it into triumph. God takes death and He turns it into a testimony. Over and over again, out of the strong comes sweetness. Out of the bitter flows refreshing. The same storm that brings about the bad also establishes the good in our lives. The same tragedy that was intended to do you in under the guidance of the Master becomes a blessing in your life. He is the only one that knows how to work all things together for your good. Praise God. Praise God. I've come to the conclusion that the feeling of inadequacy and brokenness that I feel when my heart is overwhelmed is exactly where God wants me to be. Because the storm causes me to recognize how much I truly need the help of God to make it through this life. 
It reminds me I can't do this thing on my own. It reminds me I can't save myself. It reminds me how much I desperately need His help. It reminds me that when I am weak, He is strong. Overwhelmed, but not overcome. When David finds himself overwhelmed, I want you to notice what he prayed. He prays, lead me to the rock. David's prayer was not just that the Lord would hear his cry and attend unto his prayer, but that God would lead him to the rock that was higher than he was. Hear me now. This is my whole message. That's David's way of saying, God, before you fix the problem, before you take care of the circumstance, before you deal with what's on the outside, fix the distance that's developed between you and me before you heal me, before you deliver me, before you meet my need, before this storm is over, before the crisis is ended, before the trial is done, before the test is finished, lead me to the rock. Set my feet upon that rock that is higher than I am. Before you deal with my crisis, deal with this distance that's developed between you and me. Because the distance is the greater problem. If I never get my healing, I want to get you, God. If this storm never gets over, I want to touch you tonight. Praise God. David recognized that the crisis that has driven him to cry out in despair has only served to highlight the much greater and significant need and problem that's crept into his life. It is the distance that He has allowed to develop between Him and God that is the real problem. It is the awkwardness that He feels in His soul as He seeks God in the middle of His crisis with the knowledge that He has not sought God when everything was going good. It is the conviction that strikes deep into his heart as he realizes that he has somehow allowed himself to drift away from the rock that was his fortress and was his strength. David confesses later in this chapter, I remember when you were a shelter to me. I remember when you were a strong tower from my enemy. But somewhere along the way, I have drifted away from you. I got out of the tabernacle. I got out of the house of God. I wandered away from the shelter. So David prays, lead me 
to the rock. David doesn't pray, save me from my enemy. David doesn't pray, deliver me from the evil. David doesn't pray, heal me from the sickness. David doesn't pray, make the storm stop, God. What he prays is lead me to the rock. Bring me closer to you. Bring me back into fellowship with you again. Make my heart right with you again, O oh God. Lead me back to that place where my confidence flows from you. Lead me to the rock. I've lost something in my life and I must get it back. So let the storm rage. Let the fierce winds blow. Let the rains fall. But take me back to the rock. That's where my help is. That's where my strength comes from. I love the way David describes the rock. It's the rock that's higher than I am. In other words, I don't know it all. I think I do sometimes. I think I know exactly the road to take. I think I know exactly the direction to go in. But lead me back to that rock that's higher than I am. There's a place of refuge and safety that soars above me and stands over all of my trouble and tragedy. The waves break against it. The storm does not affect it. It is that immovable rock that is higher than I am. His ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. He is the rock that is higher than I am. I can't even be begin to comprehend Him. I just know that I can trust Him and He's the rock that towers over above it all. Jehoshaphat had the same kind of reaction that David did. In the face of looming defeat, as the enemy is bearing down upon his tiny nation, Jehoshaphat organizes a national day of prayer. He was saying, lead me to the rock. The entire population assembled at Jerusalem fasting and praying and calling out to God. The king himself prayed a beautiful prayer expressing some things about God's might, God's provision, and God's promise. He ends his prayer with these words, We have no might. We have no might against this great army that is coming against us. Neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon Thee. That's what David means when he says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I have no power against the calamity that has come to overcome me. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what the next step should be. But my eyes are upon You, Lord. Lead me to the rock. At the end of Jehoshaphat's prayer, as the people waited, 
You know, let me just say, sometimes we get up and start running too quick. At the end of Jehoshaphat's prayer, while the people waited a while. You see, prayer is a conversation. You can't do all the talking and get your marching orders from God. You can't do all the talking and hear what He's trying to tell you. You can't do all the talking and receive direction for the next step to take. When they waited for the Lord, the Lord speaks through the prophet Jehaziel, instructing the army to march against the invaders without fear, take up their battle positions, and watch the Lord fight their battle for them. So early the next morning, Jehoshaphat's army marched to battle. But in a surprising turn of events, as they marched against the greatest foe that they had ever faced, The army was not led by the mighty soldiers and men of war. Instead, they put the musicians and they put the singers up in front of the battle. And the army was led by worshipers. They marched out to meet the enemy singing the praises of God. And the Bible says that as the enemy heard the army of Judah approaching them, worshiping and singing praises to God, they were thrown into confusion. And the three armies turned on one another and began to fight one another. And by the time Jehoshaphat and his army arrived on the battle scene, not a single survivor was among them. When you run to the rock, the rock runs to you. I have a message for you this evening. When you are overwhelmed, you need to remember that God is in control of your life. There is no promise that you will not be overwhelmed. But there is a promise that as long as you run to the rock, you will not be overcome. You may be troubled on every side, but not distressed. You may be perplexed, but not in despair. You may be forsaken, persecuted, but not forsaken. You may be cast down, but not destroyed. Let's stand together. I don't know what tomorrow will hold for you. I don't know what surprises are just around the corner. I don't know what trouble or tragedies may come to your life. But I do know this. God has a plan for your life. And no matter what tomorrow brings, He's the one that promised that He will make things work together for good. I can think of no better way to close out this service than by joining our voice with the voice of David and praying, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
as I invite you down to this altar this evening, don't come down and tell God about your problem. He already knows about your problem. When you come down to this altar, don't tell Him how much pain you're in right now. But pray, Oh God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh God, if you never heal me, do something about this distance. Oh God, let me get to that rock that is higher than I am. Come on, it doesn't matter today how far you may have drifted away from God. It doesn't matter how much distance has developed between you and God. One cry to God, lead me to the rock. And a million miles can fade away as the eternal presence of God is made brand new in your life. I invite you today, make the Lord your refuge. Cry out, lead me to the rock. Bring me back to you, Lord. Renew my heart. Refresh my soul. Make everything brand new. Lead me to the rock. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We confess our need of You tonight, O God. We confess our need of You, dear Lord. Oh God, when I look at my life and I see the distance that's developed between me and You, I'm alarmed when I see the distance that's there. Lead me to the rock before you take care of my problem. Before I even consider the healing that I need. Before I even consider my marriage or my family or my job situation. God, if you'll just lead me to the rock, I know I can make it through anything. Fix the distance. That's developed between me and you. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Lead me to the rock. Thank you, Lord.